This episode of Little Bit of Life podcast is sponsored by Idlewild Every Day. They have a new line of jewelry made by Tabitha Fraser, who originally founded her company in 2018. Her love for creating one-of-a-kind pieces from unique quality elements shines through in her new modern elevated line. The company takes its distinctive name from the street she first lived on after marrying and moving to Birmingham, Alabama. She has demi-fine pieces that are quality marked to maintain the highest quality of standards and transparency. This is important to them for their customers to know exactly what they are purchasing and how to care for it. Elements from her collection are sourced entirely from manufacturers and suppliers in the USA and include sterling silver, 14 karat gold filled, and vermeil. These elements are ethically and sustainably produced, and many of their manufacturers utilize solar power in their factories. Idlewild Everyday staff hand assembles, finishes, and packs your pieces with great care in their studio in Birmingham, Alabama. They've recently added a line, a fashion line, made from steel as the base metal. Since steel is very durable, long-lasting, and accepts plating very well, it is one of the best options for fashion jewelry. They are so excited to develop the line and bring it to you in amazing new pieces monthly. Make sure you order today on their website at idlewildeveryday.com, or you can also follow their Instagram for their new line of pieces and vintage pieces that are coming back to life. And also for special listeners of the Little Bit of Life podcast, make sure to use discount code TAB20. T-A-B-20 to receive 20% off of your order. Again, make sure you order today at idlewildeveryday.com and bring in a little bit of luxury and a little bit of fashion right to your very front door. Welcome to Little Bit of Life podcast. I'm your host, Tabitha, better known as Little on social media. A lot of you may know me from social media, but Little is shown off the apps. This podcast is dedicated to having the real, raw, and occasional chats on topics of what we seem to think but don't say. Special guests will join in that have impacted me along the way. Very little is left off limits. Enjoy on your favorite streaming platform, watch live videos of interviews on YouTube, and let's dive into some topics together. Welcome to the Little Bit of Life podcast. I am your host, Little. I am so excited to have a very special guest on with us today. Her name is Stephanie Schaefer. Her life changed after taking a family vacation in the Bahamas when a boat she was on exploded, causing her to become a bilateral amputee. Before her accident, she never thought to consider how someone with a disability might connect with clothing and intimate wear. And now she has signed with a modeling agency for people with disabilities and differences. Right away, she was signed with Skims, the all-American shapewear and clothing brand. We talk about how she has come to terms with her new body. It was a process, but now how her views of beauty have changed. At such a young age, she is the epitome of strength and a warrior. And she's also now the author of her own book and her own experience called Without Any Warning. Please sit back and really enjoy this episode that I had the honor of interviewing Stephanie Schaefer, where we talk about beauty after trauma and what life truly looks like when you deal with the card that has been handed to you and how your aspect of beauty can change over time. Hey guys, welcome into another episode of Little Bit of Life Podcast with your host, Little. I have an amazing, beautiful, powerhouse, strong woman. When we talk about strong women, this is the epitome when we think about that. Stephanie, welcome on. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm super excited to be here and just so cool even to just, you know, see that you thought of me and um, like inviting me to be here and like your listeners are excited. Like that's just so cool to hear. So I'm super excited. 
Yeah. When we talk about beauty as a female, it's really hard to pinpoint because with social media, with society, if you're not a size double zero or if you don't have, you know, the perfect hair, the perfect body, the perfect smile, we are so hard on ourselves as women. But when we go through a traumatic experience, that almost makes it even more incredible of us on the pressure. So can you bring us back to that fateful day that changed your life forever? Yeah. Okay. So I was 22 years old. And like you said, like at that time I was doing everything you just said. I was in that phase of life where I was, you know, so hard on myself about everything. So, you know, we'll get into all the changes that happened after, but at that, that day, it was the summer of 2018. I went on a family vacation. Um, We went to the Bahamas to an Island called Exuma and we went with my family and another family that we were close with, and we rented a house, and it was like, you know, a dream vacation. We had um, three very normal days. We did all the touristy things. We were kayaking. We were snorkeling. We were just having a great time. And then we went there because there we had seen all these advertisements for something called um, Swimming Pig Island. <laughs> so the, um, Exuma has this island that is uninhabited by people, but is only home to these wild pigs that like swim in the ocean and you go out in a boat and you like get to see them. And it was a Mm -hmm. strange thing, but we decided to do it. It was highly recommended. So we booked a tour. We went on the boat at about eight or nine that morning, expecting a half day tour. I chose my seat um, in the front of the boat for the only reason of I wanted to get the best sun suntan that I could that day. <laughs> and so I sat sort of outside my group and we started, our trip only lasted three minutes. We went very fast. I knew something was wrong kind of right away. We mm-hmm. weren't just easing into the water. We were like flying, like going up into the air and hitting the water really hard. And I knew something was kind of wrong. So I was holding on to my seat, you know, scared that I was going to embarrass myself and fall to the ground type stuff. And um, we hit the water one last time um, and the boat exploded directly underneath my seat. Um, it was kind of the last thing that I remember of that day. I somehow stayed awake, which is what saved my life. My family stepped in to help me. Strangers stepped in to help me. I was floated back to shore, you know, driven to the little island hospital in the back of a pickup truck. (laughs) Um, There was no ambulance. There was no doctors. It was, you know, a a total nightmare Mm -hmm. that we were living. Um, And I, you know, somehow made it back to the United States. I spent a month in a coma. I lost both of my legs. I was paralyzed. I had broken my back in like four different places. I was an organ failure. I um, couldn't breathe on my own. I had broken pretty much everything from head to toe. So it was a long recovery from that day on. Wow. When we talk about a traumatic experience, that is, I can't imagine, I mean, like you said, you're in on a foreign island where like they don't have ambulances. They don't have, you know, what we consider safe medicine, you know, medical practices, they do the best that they can, then you're with your family and you go through this. So through that recovery phase, what was it like for you within the hospital of not only coming to terms with what happened, but what the rest of your life would look like from then on? Yeah, (laughs) that was the hardest part was, um, 
you know, at that point, at the initially, it was just saving my life for, you know, months. And then after that, it was still surgeries and treatments. But it was realizing I was never going to look the same. Um, I was a college student, you know, I was just about to graduate. It was thinking I'm never going to do anything ever again. I didn't think I'd ever be able to work. I didn't think I'd ever graduate. I didn't think my friends would want to hang out with me. You know, I was, you know, everything ahead just was terrifying. It, you don't even know what to mm-hmm. think about that during that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you, I'm assuming you had a fantastic support system with your family and your friends that I'm sure were, you know, making you feel as positive as you could, especially when we talk about mental health, especially on this podcast, it's a thing. And it's something that affects everyone in a different way. So it's really hard, I'm sure, to be in that moment and you're in that, you know, I need to save my life. I need to proceed further. But like you said, you're young and you're in that moment of how do I look? What outfit looks good? What guy likes me? Sports. I mean, you were in the moment all the time and your life drastically changed forever. Yeah. I mean, my mom moved into the hospital with me. So she stayed in my hospital room for five months with me. She never went home. So I, the times where I was, you know, very depressed or um, really struggling, I think having someone physically nearby, it was the more that I allow this to drag me down, it's going to drag her down too. And so at least I had that perspective the whole time of this won't just impact me, this will impact my family, my loved ones, all of them. And for a while, you know, before I could even fight for myself, I think, in recovery and all of that, um, which did come. But at the beginning, I was really just doing it for my family, thinking like, I don't want to be a burden on them any more than I, you know, whatever I can get back, I'm going to get back for them. And so it was really, you know, mental health, physical health, it was just like, as much as I can improve in both ways, I was doing it for them to begin with before I could really do it for myself. Mm-hmm. You're very vulnerable on your social media. And uh, for those that are listening and interested, I'm going to put all of her information in the bio. You're literally showing us your journey even now. And it's amazing because you show those videos of you learning how to walk. And so for those that are listening that may not know, it's very difficult when you have prosthetics. I worked in medical for a very, very, very long time. And uh, it's not something that most people think of like, oh, well, you know, I, you know, I was fitted. I mean, it's such a process and then learning how to walk and be comfortable and just the little things that we take for granted. How was that process for you at such an early age? Kind of devastating. (laughs) I mean, when I started, you know, like I said, healing that I I really was determined to get everything back. The question of if I was going to walk (laughs) was never really a question in my mind. Like I just decided like I was going to walk again Um, so I was basically begging, like, I need to get my prosthetics. I need to get my prosthetics, but it took so long, um, for me to heal enough to get to that point that when I first got them, um, it was just excitement, like pure joy. And, um, there is a picture on my social media of my first prosthetic legs and they're unlike anything I had ever seen before because, um, I, with a spinal cord injury, we had to combine like prosthetics and orthotics and they would like went all the way up to my hips and they were heavy and they were bulky and it was like a whole thing. But um, I remember putting them on and like just being so excited. And, you know, in that first moment of standing, I was, you know, working so hard and I was so excited. I think I took like three or four steps 
in like parallel bars and it was the best feeling in the world. And then I went up to my hospital room and after the session and I took them off and I like really looked at them for the first time Mm -hmm. and that like high of the excitement like disappeared and I just like sobbed in my room (laughs) for like a long time. Um, But then it, it just got easier. I think Um, it was a struggle learning how to put them on. Those first legs took me like half an hour to put on on my own, but then every like progression I made, the legs got smaller, they got sleeker, they got more like what I had always envisioned. And now like, I love my prosthetic legs. I love how they look, you know, I am so used to them. They're just my legs. And I um, think they make me look kind of tough, strong, whatever. I think it's cool. Oh, I agree. (laughs) A hundred (laughs) percent. You've also shown that you've found new hobbies that you absolutely love to do. And just judging from your social media, you're adventurous. You're a go-getter. You like to have fun. And I love that you're not allowing this to stop you. So what new adventures and hobbies have you now found that you're really good at in using what you're able to with your strengths and your passions? What what are you into now? Well, during that time, like when I said it was, you know, constant surgery at first, I would have these recovery times where it would be months of you can't wear your prosthetics because you just had surgery on your leg again. So I had to find things to fill my time that didn't require prosthetic legs. And um, I remember seeing someone on Instagram that was in a cross-country sit ski. And I was like, that looks amazing. Um, it was a U.S. Paralympian, I think, that I followed on Instagram. I was like, this looks like the coolest thing in the world. And so I found a um, place in New Hampshire and I drove and I got my own ski and I just like didn't take any lessons. I just kind of threw myself out there. And it was the first day. It was so rough. I felt like every two feet, <laughs> but I <laughs> completely fell in love with it that day. Like I like love to ski now. So that is like something I'm so thankful I found because it made, you know, winters pass by It made, it made everything so much better. I have so much fun when I ski. Um, I also use a hand cycle. So I like to do that. I've done a few bike races, things like that. Um, I travel again, which is something I never thought that I would do. And I have so much fun doing that. And I started modeling, which is something that I never would have pictured. But I also am completely in love with that, too. So I think this injury has led to so many amazing things. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about you modeling, you've recently done a very large modeling for a very well-known company. So when we're talking about for Skims, how can you – unbelievable. I mean, I'm speechless. When yes. I saw not only the photos come out and I saw how they marketed, it was so tastefully done and projected you so beautifully, which, I mean, with social media, you get really good and really bad yeah. comments. Yes. And out of all the people, uh, I was very disappointed in Candace Owens of how she handled the situation. Yes. Um, disgusted is a really good word to use. It is a good word. <laughs> and it shocked me because, I mean, I follow her platform and, you know, I'm very respectful of women supporting women. And I felt mm-hmm. like of all moments that the world could come behind you and support you. That was the one person that did not. And I was so disgusted by that. Yeah, I... I don't follow her, but I, of course, had known the name because she has this huge platform. And to know that someone with a platform like that took this amazing thing that 
not just, you know, a small company, a small brand had done because that's amazing too. But the fact that Skims, which is this like next level brands, um, took the time, the thought, the energy, the planning to make these this line and include models like myself and the other people involved. Um, to take that and to sort of bring it down um, to so many people that she can reach, that was super disappointing to me. Very shocking. I <laughs> was with my friend. I was like, I feel like I'm like back in time. Like, isn't this like really outdated to be saying stuff like this? Like, I didn't mm-hmm. think people said stuff like this anymore, <laughs> but mm-hmm. disappointing, disgusted, good words, good choice. <laughs> yeah. How was the experience? For those that don't know, Skims is owned by Kim Kardashian. She's gotten a lot of heat, but when it comes down, she's incredible. I mean, yes. you can have your own opinion about her, but I mean, from my standpoint and my view, she embraces what women are to look like, and we're all different in our own way, and we are beautiful in our own way. So how did you get connected with Skims and this line, and and how was that modeling experience for you? It was so amazing. So I signed with my modeling agency probably about a year ago now. They found me on Instagram, um, and they encouraged me to apply, and so I did, and I signed. Skims was actually the second shoot I had ever done so I was so intimidated that first time because I was like I like dream dream shoot um for my second time it was crazy um but Skims was amazing I mean they handled all of the accessibility I mean they I was still living in Vermont at that time so they um not only offered to fly me out they allowed everyone to bring a caregiver that would bring um be supportive for them they handled all the accessible um, transportation. They really took all of our accessibility needs like into consideration. So it wasn't just like, oh, we booked, you know, a disabled model and they're just going to have to figure it out. It was like they clearly had planned it. Um, so I definitely, you know, big props to them for that. And the staff was so nice, so amazing, so supportive. They seemed very eager to learn too on that first shoot because I did you know their drop of that adaptive collection they seemed very eager to learn like how like what we need what we expect you know they treated us with a lot of respect so I really loved it but um yeah that first good job good job skims (laughs) like good job (laughs) when it comes to companies making models feel comfortable especially when you're creating a line like impressive wow very impressive yeah and, you know, they've they've kept calling me back, which is even cooler, you know, to the first shoot I did, we were all wheelchair users. And then I had to get used to now doing these shoots for skims with people who aren't in wheelchairs and learning how to pose with those people, how to take up space when they're, you know, much taller than I am in my chair. And um, so it's been really cool to see just the different models I've gotten to shoot with. And you're right. I mean, it's always diverse selection so it's you know props to them for that too i can imagine the nerves you're on your second shoot it skims of all things and then you have to tie in that i mean just as a female you're around people you don't know people Mm -hmm. are taking your picture Mm -hmm. you're hard on yourself anyway and then you're in intimate wear so you're not comfortable in like regular clothes you're just you're out there for everyone to see so Obviously, with the models that you were working with, I'm sure you guys always bonded and were comfortable because you're going through the same thing. Were there a lot of other models that were more experienced or were you guys kind of all new and doing it together? The first shoe, I think we were all very new. 
Um, but we all, I mean, I think, I don't know. I don't think we even really seemed that nervous. I think, you know, and I think that came from our disability, actually. You know, I think we have so much pride in our bodies, like, having survived the things that we had all gone through that it was kind of like, we, I don't, I don't think I was as concerned about my appearance as I would have been before, because it was just like, I mean, these are my scars. This is what my body looks like. You know, I'm proud of this body. So it, it was you know, less scary for me, I think because of that. Um, but yeah, in the other shoots that I've done, the girls would be like, Oh, I've been doing this for seven years, eight years. And I'm like, Oh yeah. <laughs> I just started. <laughs> you did phenomenal. Your pictures are so classy and they really represent everyone that goes through a traumatic experience and comes out on the other side. With that being said, this isn't where you stopped. You also wrote a book and I'm going to put that in the description. I'm running to get this ordered because I can't wait to get my hands on it. So tell us a little bit about your book, where everyone can purchase it. Like, how did you get everything contained into just one space? I'm sure that was really hard. Oh, that was the hardest part. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You can get it on Amazon. That is the easiest way. Um, Let's see. I started kind of right away writing. I remember being in the hospital and like you said, that is like the definition of a traumatic event when I explained it. And that was like a little tiny piece of it. Um, So when I would be telling my nurses, my doctors, everybody, this story, they would be like, this is like a movie. This needs to be a book. You know, I had heard that so many times. Um, So when I got home, um, I just started writing. And I tell everybody that it was like the greatest form of therapy. (laughs) It was like so therapeutic to just write without any filter just what had happened and put like all of the really raw emotions that you know I told you I had tried to keep up appearances in some way because I didn't want to drag my family down to the the things that I was feeling and experiencing in those moments so it was finally my chance to write about it and be like this is what I was thinking this is how I was feeling you know there was some dark times in that hospital where I you know really questioned if life was ever going to be worth living again it was you know it was it was hard so I got to I just wrote and I wrote for um probably about a year just like I would just sit there and just write nonstop. and then my book when I finished was at least twice the size of what I actually published (laughs) (laughs) so then I had to cut out pieces that weren't necessary but um it was just my therapy and a way to heal and to move on and um, kind of put it behind me to just start living again. And I, I mean, I think it came out well, so you'll have to tell me what you think when you read it. I'm excited. It's already on the way. And it was cute. My mom is my best friend. So when I shared with her who I was interviewing, she was like, she has a book. I'm like, we have to get it. Like we have to read it and then we have to talk about it. So she's excited to get it as well. For those that are listening that might have been going through a traumatic experience, they're in that moment where they're in the hospital. What would your biggest advice or pointer be to them right now? If they're listening and they just feel like they're different, not life's like you said, life's never going to be the same. What would the number one thing be that you would tell them? I mean, two things. I mean, first it would be don't look too far ahead. Um, in those moments, you've got to take it not just day by day, but literally like moment by moment. Um, especially when it's an injury or something like that, you've got to just be like, this is, 
the issue at hand. This is what I need to do to take care of it and just focus on that and then go to the next thing after that. Because if you start looking ahead, it is going to be too exhausting and far too much to deal with and it will drag you down. Um, And then, you know, maybe life isn't going to be the same. Maybe it will have completely changed, but change isn't a bad thing. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. It changes what what you make of it. Um, I knew that this could either be the absolute worst thing that ever happened to me, and this was going to be the story of what ruined my life. That was an option. Or it was going to be a story that I could make something out of, and it could be just what changed my life for the better. So we are always given those two options. I love that. I think you've taken this and run with it and made it your own and made so many people that are watching you realize that you can't take things for granted. And the card that you're handed and the card that you're dealt is fine. It's just what you do with that card in your hand. So the big question to wrap up our episode, what's next for you? What exciting things are coming up? I mean, I know you're an adventurous person and you just Mm -hmm. seem so amazing. So what's next for your life? Well, I just moved to Southern California by myself, so I am loving living independently for the first time since my accident. But what's next? I am booked for a few more really exciting jobs that I can't wait to share about soon. Um, I think those are going to be amazing. And then for the book, I am hoping to turn it into an audiobook soon. So, you know, a few projects coming soon. Nice. Well, congrats on the move. That's exciting. You picked one of the best places ever. ever. I just moved from Arizona to Texas and I miss the West Coast severely. So, I mean, I'm sure you're in that fun stage of decorating your new place and Mm -hmm. meeting new friends and trying out restaurants and doing everything that's in that normal stage for your life. So I appreciate you coming on and speaking with us today. I know this episode is going to help so many people that might even just be going through a hard or a dark time. I think you are so incredible. I look up to you so much, not only for how young you are and what you've gone through, but how you're just taking, like I said, what cards you were dealt and you're just making life just spectacular. And I don't think if I went through something at that age, I don't think I ever would have been as strong as you are. And I think you are so amazing and incredible and I can't wait to see what's coming up next. So I'll make sure to put all of your social media information in so we can follow your journey. And again, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Little Bit of Life. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow today's episode on your favorite listening platform and share these stories to more that need to be in the know. Get in on the action with the podcast Facebook and follow The Little Adventures on Instagram at LittleCuteOneAZ. I'll catch you on the next episode.